Good morning, everyone. Today, I am joined by Robert and John. And today is an important day because we are recording in the morning. And at midday today, the Bank of England is going to announce what it's doing with interest rates. The money seems to be on interest rates going up by half a percent rather than a quarter percent and a half percent increase will be the greatest increase in interest rates in the last 27 years. John, what are your thoughts on that? Well, does it matter when when the house has burned down? Does it matter about calling the fire brigade? They've lost control of the thing for for so long that it's all now a PR exercise. I suspect what they'll do is put it up by Uh, 50 basis points because they have to look like they're trying to do something. I'm slightly reminded, John, of that little Dutch chap who used to put his finger in the dike to stop the dike flooding, which is obviously a completely useless exercise, which is what uh, it would appear that the Bank of England are doing. Yes, well, they're now attempting to put their fingers in the size of a hole that's about a square mile in size. So they are one of the main contributors to why we've got double-digit inflation. They've been printing money for the better part of a decade and a half. And if you remember, it's not that long ago, they were telling you, well, it might go to 3%, it might go to 4%, but it'll, it'll drop rapidly from there. They are hopeless. Um, and it's not just the Bank of England. It's the ECB. It's the Federal Reserve in the US. They haven't just been wrong, but they are as wrong as it's possible to be. So I don't expect anything from these people. They are incompetent. Yeah, what amazes me is that uh, the media have remarkably short memories because we can all, all remember that, that they've said these things. But, hey, um, nobody says, oh, hang on a minute, um, Andrew Bailey. Didn't you say a year ago that this was going to happen and it hasn't happened? It seems to be brushed over. Yeah, well, I quite agree, yeah. I think it's now a curious facet of, of the mainstream media that they they don't question anymore. It seems to me the media is not the media of well, not that long ago. They're very compliant and they don't ask questions and they don't demand answers to questions that are very important. And they just meekly go along with this. We've been saying this for years where this would end up and this is where it's ended up. And it's because... These folks have no understanding of economies or wealth creation. And therefore, because they come from, for the most part, from academic ivory towers, they just assume that their theories will work. Well, in this laboratory experiment, it's been proven that their theories really are utter nonsense. And so here we have a crisis with energy prices and the Ukraine and food prices and all the rest of it. And we are now tightening into a recession that that they will, in essence, bring about. If they had not got involved for the last 20 years in playing around with the business cycle and keeping rates far too low, presiding over multiple bubbles, whether it was houses, whether it was tech stocks, if they just got out of the way, um, we wouldn't be in this mess. Uh, it's interesting to see that uh, Liz Truss has been questioning the Bank of England's competency. I would suggest she looks at the very top. Whether she means it or whether she's just playing to the gallery, who knows? Uh, she's certainly right to question it, but to be slightly controversial. It's odd that she said that for the first time, I think, in the leadership battle 
what's she saying it for? There's something about people when they get in, in that Westminster bubble. If, if only they could see how ludicrous they, they actually look. You know, I'm so disillusioned with the whole thing. What does this mean for investors? We were encouraged the week before last to see some very good results from uh, Nestle, Diageo, Unilever, Reckitt Benkiser, who have all been able to pass on their input prices to the customer. And I think that just sort of reflects the strength of these business businesses and the strength of their their products. I mean, John, you've analysed all these results, etc. What are your thoughts? Well, as you say, we own them all. In simple terms, that's why we own them. They've done exactly what we expected them to do, what we wanted them to do, and that is to preserve wealth. They are sufficiently good enterprises that they can pass these increases on. And so really, in net terms, they're no worse off. Uh, It's the mediocre businesses uh, that will suffer. So in terms of investors, as ever, you have to take long-term decisions. You want to buy businesses that are proven where they can continue reinvesting capital uh, above average rates of return. It's what investing is all about. I wouldn't say investing was easy, but I do think that as a concept, it's relatively simple and, and, and that proves it. What can be a very scary background I think if you're invested in mediocre businesses, you've got a problem because interest rates are going to continue going up. And due to various aggravating factors, Ukraine being one, oil and gas prices being another. And I wouldn't say that has been caused by Putin. It's certainly been aggravated by Putin, but it hasn't been caused by it because this was going on long before. The reality is that we have a situation where in order to decarbonize the transitionary period is way too short. It can't happen. The living standards of the Western world depend on the burning of fossil fuels. It's that simple. So if, if you want to have a transition period that is so short, then there is going to be a substantial downshift in average standards of living. Politicians haven't mentioned that to their electorates. I think their electorates are increasingly so dumbed down that they can't see it either. But that's going to be the issue. 25% roughly of your, of your electricity bills comes from subsidies for wind and all the rest of it. These technologies at the moment are nowhere near robust enough to take up the slack. We're, we're in a real pickle and it's not going to be unpicked very easily. So the real question is then, what should investors do? I'm of the opinion that inflation is here and it's here for a lot longer than central banks anticipate. We've seen a a large increase in energy prices, which has resulted in elevated inflation in the short term. But when you look into the future, I think food prices are likely to go up considerably. I mean, today, Bayer, the German chemical company, has said that it has had good results because people are having to pay more for seeds, fertilizers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that inflation is going to remain elevated and therefore your capital is going to depreciate in real terms at a significant rate when there is such a large gap between inflation of 10% and deposit interest of 1%. Um, I agree with you that inflation is a much bigger problem and it's going to be a much longer problem. I think that's definitely the case. 
it illustrates the difference between businesses that are capable of passing it on and those that aren't. There aren't that many great businesses out there. Whenever you get periods of stress, actually, the better businesses get better. And the mediocre ones and the worse than mediocre, uh, it becomes a bigger problem for. So in many ways, for good businesses, it may be difficult in terms of the, the general background, but good to find a way around it. And, and for the reasons we've just mentioned, they are managing to pass this on because they're strong enough and their brands are, are well known enough and they have so many advantages, whether it's distribution networks, whatever, they can pass it on. So really what investors should be doing is taking a long-term view with quality companies and funds which invest in quality companies. In our opinion, there are significant question marks as to whether low-risk investments, which typically are fixed-interest investments, or these cautious managed funds, the blended funds, which have significant exposure to fixed interest, will deliver good results in the long term. There has to be some serious question marks over that. As you know, we've been very, very light on bonds. I mean, we have virtually no exposure. We might have some index-linked exposure, but that's about it. And there's a reason for that. This concept of bonds being being less risky, you know, they're not less risky if they're way, way, way overvalued. So what people are doing here is they're conflating two issues. One is value and the other is, will these bonds repay? Well, they may repay. But if you've paid way too much for them, they're going to repay at a significant loss. So what is your definition of risk? Again, it's just another example of how this industry misquantifies so much. Bonds, in our view, in my view, have been a, a real trap. You had interest rates at 300 lows and you've got central banks printing money to buy sovereign debt. Is it any surprise that... Really, that's going to be an all-time high for the price of bonds. Can it get any better from there? I would argue no. It can't, didn't, and it just won't. So when it comes to investment, it's about owning businesses of substance and you want to own them for extended periods of time. To quote Warren Buffett, his favourite holding period is forever. And in terms of concept, that's simple. I think that's a very good point, John. A lot of people in my experience tend to think that, you know, stockbrokers stroke investment managers, they, they know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I've got a client who's a bit jittery about holding equities. He's only ha- held them for a couple of years. And I keep saying to him, A, if you're not comfortable with this, then let's just call it a day. Because really, my ide- ideal holding period is forever. So I'm buying Unilever, I'm buying Diageo. Uh, you name it, because that's what I think he should have forever and a day. And if you're not comfortable with that, you really should, you know, call it a day. This isn't a criticism, but not everybody is comfortable with with equity risk. They are temperamentally unsuited to be equity investors. And if that's then, they, they, they shouldn't be invested in them. You are suited or you can 
bring yourself round to be suited to them, then I think that is your best option over long periods of time. And the kind of businesses that we've mentioned, their results that have come through in a very stressful period have shown their superiority. You, know, you often hear, whether it's individuals, whether it's companies, whatever, just chatter that you see in, in the press. Oh, what, what shall you be doing in this environment? Oh, what shall we be doing in the first quarter or, or for the rest of the year? It's all baloney. In our view, what we should be doing is quite simply investing in great businesses. And once you've got them, let's keep them. Whether it's this quarter, next quarter, this year, next year, last decade, this decade, we should just all be doing the same thing at the same time in terms of looking to buy businesses of substance and to keep them. I would no sooner change our modus operandi than I would, you know, every time I cross the road, I look uh, left and right. And then one day I decide, actually, I'll do it differently. Why would I? It's quite obvious what's going to happen if, if, if you don't do it properly. So, again, comes back to this thing with investment. doesn't make it easy, but I think it's a very, very simple concept to, to convey in terms of how we achieve success. The other question is then that, I mean, there's a lot of people who are business owners, business uh, leaders who listen to this. What should they be doing? I mean, not, not only with their own investments, maybe their pension funds, but with their businesses? Well, I think as a business owner, you should always be alive to opportunities. And again, it's at periods of stress that actually you can really get opportunities. It could be that one or two of your local competitors find the going very difficult. They might close down. They might reduce their scale of operation. And that gives you an opportunity to to get that business. So, I mean, because conditions out there are not going to be great, I would be looking to to try and run with a little bit more cash, A, just as an insurance policy, and B, you may be able to deploy that cash in projects where you can foresee a real payback over the next two or three years if opportunities offer themselves. In terms of personal investments, I mean, as, as you well know, we, we are rarely fully invested. To be fully invested is not some kind of virility symbol. Good investments or good opportunities come along. They're like buses. Sometimes three will pop along and then other time there's a bit of a dearth. So it's great to have cash on hand to deploy to purchase good businesses at prices that may really be attractive. And because the stock market being what it is, I mean, I can think of businesses that have come down in value far more than I thought that they would do. And if you haven't got the cash available, you can't take advantage of that. So as a general rule, cash is something that, you know, it's that dry ammunition, always great to have on hand because you never know what opportunities may come your way. So yes, holding cash in periods of double-digit inflation, you are seeing, in simple terms, an erosion of value. But if something that you might have wanted to buy has just fallen by 35%, and here's your entree, then it more than makes up for it. So don't get bogged down in the minutiae. Never be afraid to keep cash on tap, because you never know when you're going to get thrown an opportunity. If you're fully invested, you just can't do that. So don't be afraid of cash. It's not something to run away from. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, John. Very interesting again. If you like this podcast, please will you forward it to your friends. I get a lot of people 
contacting me saying that was brilliant you know it is worthwhile listening to so we'll be back soon with more topics to discuss bye-bye this material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation you should consult an advisor regulated by the financial conduct authority prior to making investment decisions all investments carry a degree of risk the value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.